Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody welcome back to crime weekly i'm stephanie harlow and i'm Derek lavasser so today we are wrapping up with the chad daybell and the Lori vallow series this is part seven i'm actually impressed that that we kind of were able to do this in under eight parts i thought it was going to be eight parts but here we are um basically tying up loose ends final thoughts you know the conclusion so far because it's not completely the conclusion. Chad Daybell hasn't even gone to trial yet, and he won't be going to trial until, I believe, April of 2024. So there will be more, and we will do updates for Crime Weekly News when uh, when when this happens. But, yeah, how are you feeling so far, seven parts in? I, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the case, really dislike these people. Um, so I'm at the point now where it's like, where I kind of get with a lot of these cases, where at the end of it, it's like, I'm so sick of hearing about these morons. Mm-hmm. But I understand that we have to, there's an arc, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And, an end. and you got to go through the whole way. So excited to wrap it up um, and then excited to get started on a new case. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the end of it. I feel like there's still some questions I have. So I feel based on what I've read briefly about the script, it's kind of going to answer those. And hopefully it answers uh, the questions, there are any remaining questions that anybody else has. And if not, you know, weigh down in the comments below on YouTube and or leave a review on, on Apple Podcasts and we'll we'll be looking at those. All right. So you want to just dive in? Let's dive let's dive right into it. Let's dive right into it. So by mid-December of twenty nineteen, Chad and Lori were in Hawaii and they were renting a house at forty one forty one Queen Emma's Drive in the villas on the Prince in Kauai. This was a luxury gated complex, which happened to be right across the road from where Lori had lived with her previous husband, Charles Vello. Remember, they lived in Kauai, and it was only a 20-minute walk from the beach where she and Chad Daybell had tied the knot the month prior. After getting married, Chad and Lori had spent some time in California, I guess as like a honeymoon or to just avoid the police back in Rexburg. And then they returned to Kauai with a plan to live there until all the heat back in Rexburg died down. But they didn't tell anyone where they were, not even their most trusted followers, including Alex Cox, Melanie Gibb and Melanie Boudreau, who was now Melanie Pawlowski. So according to the neighbors in Kauai, they rarely saw Chad and Lori in their luxury furnished condo, which cost them over six thousand dollars a month to rent. $6,000 a month that was coming from the over $400,000 Chad had gotten from Tammy Daybell's uh, life insurance when she had died just a few weeks before he married Lori. 
And at this point, in like mid-December 2019, the news of JJ and Tylee's disappearance had not been getting a ton of media attention yet. So no one in Hawaii even knew that Chad and Lori were wanted by the police back in Idaho and Arizona. It seemed that Chad and Lori, while they were in Kauai, spent a lot of time at Lori's favorite place in the world, which was the Kauai Beach Resort, where she had returned multiple times throughout her life when she needed to escape and regroup. But Lori would be only granted a short reprieve this time because law enforcement back home were going to do whatever they could to smoke the newlyweds out and have the question of where J.J. and Tylee were answered once and for all. It's so when you always go back to Kauai, I always think about my time there Mm -hmm. and how remote it is. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like the perfect place. If I were trying to get away and not be on anybody's radar, it's literally the perfect place to go. It's so secluded. And honestly, like I said to you, when we covered Amber Jackson, it's like a lot of people, and I'm not saying everyone, but it's just, it felt to me like a lot of people who were just trying to get away from their own life. Maybe not even a bad way, but just trying to escape the hustle and bustle of whatever they were going through before they left there. Because everyone's so low-key, mild-mannered. It's like the stereotypical thing you would think of when you think of people who live in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Because have you ever been to Hawaii? No. Oh my God, you have to go. go, Favorite place on earth, hands down. All the places I've been. Lori, too. Yeah. What's that? Lori, too. Lori, too. Yeah, you ain't (laughs) wrong. Um, But like Oahu, for everybody who's been to Oahu, they know it's it's still beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it feels more like touristy, right? Like you would expect where Kauai is like. A little bit oh, off okay. the beaten path, yeah. Off the beaten path. It's where they filmed Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. part yeah. of it. and Very lush, a, tropical, yeah. It's it's so, it's still, majority of it is still island. Yeah. Like you, we, we were out there traveling for a case and 15 minutes from the, the main little area right near the airport, it's just all jungle. And you can get lost out there really quickly. And, and I feel like that's probably why she enjoyed that place so much because there there wasn't a lot of attention. And if you had reporters or something like that or investigators, it's so much harder to reach them, to get to them out there. Here's the thing. It's like, you're right. They could have gone to Kauai and they could have sort of stayed off the map. Like they could have yeah. gotten a little hot on the beach somewhere in the jungle. They could have kept a low profile, but they didn't do that. They went yeah. to the most expensive place to live. They rented a $6,000 a month, like, luxury villa, and then they spent all their time at the Kauai Beach Resort. <laughs> so <laughs> they could have, they're on the run. They murdered a bunch of people, at the very least were an accessory to the murder of a bunch of people. And instead of being like, uh, remember that dude from Amber Jackson, the guy who lived, like, in the yurt? Yeah, of course I do. Lori and Chad could have lived in a yurt. They could have, like, Chad could have, like, grown a beard. Lori could have cut her hair. They could have, you know. <laughs> yeah, Greg Greg was the t- stereotypical guy for that. For that island. Good old Greg. They could have been so much more low profile, but they weren't. They're so blatant, so audacious that they literally just, instead of acting like they're on the run, which, I mean, technically they were and they should have been, they acted like they were on vacation. Right. Yeah, and I tried Kauai Beach Club. I'm not familiar with that. But again, it's not like I'm an expert on Kauai. Dude, it's like expensive to go there. Like you can stay there or you can pay for like a day pass and stuff. But it's expensive to go there. And It must be on the other side of the island. Maybe that's why. Because I stayed most closely to like the airport and stuff. You know what else is like traumatic? Well, I feel like as a parent would have been traumatic for me. The last time that Lori had gone to Hawaii 
which, um, well, actually, no. I believe she was in Hawaii when Tammy Daybell was murdered. But the time before that, when Charles Vella was still alive, remember, and Lori, like, left for, like, 55 days, she had taken Tylee and they'd gone to Kauai. And they mm. stayed at the Kauai Beach Resort. They That's where they stayed. And now she returns there with Chad and she's at the same place that she spent this time with her daughter after she knows her daughter has been murdered, whether or not she was in, in directly involved in the act of the murder, like she was OK with it. She allowed it to happen. She knew it was happening. And now she's back at this place where I feel like there would be so many memories, you know, of of you and your daughter. And, and you're just unfazed by it. I'm, I'm not giving him an excuse, but I really do believe there is part of it. And I know I said that, and there are multiple pieces of evidence that suggest they knew what they were doing was wrong and, and were still doing it because it, it, it got them closer to whatever their goals were. But I do think, I don't even know if you're going to disagree with this, but I do think there is a part of Lori who did believe in this whole religion. I don't think it, she was completely making it up. And so maybe her way of justifying it was, you know, that wasn't no. That was no longer JJ and Ty Lee. That was the dark spirits who had taken over their bodies. They were already gone. I just got rid of the the dark spirits that inhabited their bodies afterwards. So maybe that was her weird, sick way of rationalizing, how you know, and moving on with life. What else could it be? How do you think she? How do you think she's able to go out there, put a smile on her face, and being the same place where, like you said, she had just taken her daughter, daughter not to long before, how do you think she's processing that and able to dysfunction just because she's a crazy bitch? Like, what? Yeah, I mean, how do serial killers like go and, and murder people at night and then come home and act like the perfect family man and, and father and stuff, you know? like So that's what you, that's what the level you're putting her on. I'm not saying you're wrong. That's oh, the level you're putting her on where she's just yeah. like, she's slicing it. She could kill anybody. Wouldn't She wouldn't bat an eye. It means nothing to her. I think it means nothing to her. Okay, yeah, fair I think enough. That, I think that human life means nothing to her. And I think she's selfish and all she cares about is her and what she wants in that moment. And I don't know. Like, yeah, she's definitely twisted. And, you know, maybe she believed it, but it was because she told herself she believed it so that she could compartmentalize and she could justify. Right. Which is not any less messed up. No, I agree. And, I, and I've said to you before, the best liars are the, the ones who actually believe their own bullshit. So you might be onto something there where part of it was she did. She told that lie so often she started to believe her own her own lies. And we know and, Lori's and a good liar. it makes her a better liar because we, of it. We know she's a good liar because she tricked tons of law enforcement, tons of people, like government agents, everyone. She had yeah. like completely convinced that she was this amazing mother to the very end, in which we're going to talk about this, like to the very end. Even her own family members who were like, wow, these kids haven't been seen in months were still like, well, we believe Lori. She would never do this. Stuff like that. So, yeah. Unfortunate. On December 21st, 2019, the Rexburg police and the FBI put out a joint press release stating that they were searching for the two children who were tied to the suspicious death of Tammy Daybell and the children's mother and stepfather were wanted for questioning in connection with their disappearances, but they were not cooperating with law enforcement. In fact, police had already spoken to the couple about the location of JJ, and they'd been told the seven-year-old was staying with friends in Arizona, but police had figured out this was a lie. So the press release is basically like, Lori and Chad are lying. When Chad and Lori realized they'd been exposed and could no longer even walk around Hawaii with anonymity, they hired attorney Sean Bartholick, who released a statement on their behalf on Christmas Eve. The statement said, quote, 
Chad Daybell was a loving husband and has the support of his children in this matter. Lori Daybell is a devoted mother and resents assertions to the contrary. We look forward to addressing the allegations once they have moved beyond speculation and rumor, end quote. The statement did not say anything about J.J. and Tylee, where they were, nothing. Just like we look forward to addressing the allegations once they've moved beyond speculation and rumor, which by that point they absolutely had. So like these people are um, delusional and they seem to find attorneys who are also delusional because what kind of attorney knowing the facts would make this kind of statement? I don't even understand. A lot of them are just looking for a check. Yeah. If the money clears, they're good with it. So once again, they're paying for an attorney with like money that the Chad gets from his dead wife yeah. that he helped kill. And also Lori's got a little bit of a bank account built up too, right? From mm-hmm. from Charles's money as well, right? Well, Charles removed her from the life insurance, right? So like I think that she and Chad were planning to get like Charles's money and then Tammy's money. But then but remember, she was still getting the Social Security. She though, was still right? getting Tylee and JJ's Social Security. But that's like on, like five thousand dollars a month, you know, pretty much nothing compared to the almost five hundred thousand that Chad got from Tammy. Yeah, I guess so. So five grand. I'll take it. I know, if I, but is that worth all the people you killed? Is that no, worth no, Charles, Tylee, and No, 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 I'm just Tylee saying, like, she's out JJ? there with her own money. I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's spending that money, JJ and Tylee's money, like it's her own. Yeah, for and, sure and, she was, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like her own private bank account. Yeah, she was still using Tylee's ATM card that the Social Security benefits were being loaded onto. There you go. There you go. Sick. And I mean, I remember this. Like, I was following the case from the first moment, um, you know, it, it made the news, but it hadn't made the news like nationally and hugely yet, right? It was just like, there's something going on. These kids have been missing. The parents won't say where they are. And so I was kind of watching and I was like, this is about to blow up. And even then I was like, these kids have to be somewhere safe. Like who would do this? I remember thinking that. I remember like listening to it, but then all the cult stuff started coming out in the dark and light spirits. And I was like, Oh, well. Yeah, yeah, this ain't good. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, But I remember it did right around the time of of you know right going into January of 2020 that's when it started hitting the national media circus and it was everywhere every network you turned on every time you turn on your computer all the headlines were talking about that but throughout December it was like very small kind of media attention and then it blew up and the police did this on purpose right because they wanted to be able to smoke Lori and chat out no matter where in the world they were hiding and that's exactly what happened yeah, good police work. I mean, they they felt like they had their people. They had a strategy and they implemented it. And, that, and you don't always have that. You don't want to give them all your weight, all your cards while they're across the world, you know. So you have to just kind of play it, play the long game. And I guess they probably profiled Lori and Chad just knowing mm-hmm. that the type of people they were. It was going to be hard for them to just disappear or lay low. It just wasn't in their DNA. Yeah. And, and I mean, understand by by this time, they've already done a ton of investigation. They've already um, executed search warrants at Lori and, and Alex's and Melanie's apartments. They've found the storage unit with all of JJ and Tylee's stuff in it. They've already executed search warrants at Chad Daybell's house. They have an understanding of of what's going on with yep. these people and, and kind of how bad it is. And, and the police claim they always knew that Lori and Chad were in Kauai, which does make sense because you could easily just find out if they'd bought tickets. But for some reason, they kind of wanted, I guess, Chad and Lori to come back, most likely because they didn't want to have to go through the whole business of extraditing them and, and this, this and that. And at that point, 
they can't charge them with murder, right? They don't even know that the kids are are dead. They just know that Tammy Daybell died under suspicious circumstances. They're going to exhume her body, but the results haven't come back from that autopsy yet. The kids are missing. Charles Vallow was killed by Alex Cox, but soon Alex Cox is going to be dead. So they don't really want to like just go to Hawaii and be like, you guys are under arrest. They would like for Chad and Lori to come to them and make things easier. But Chad and Lori are not going to do that. Shocker. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So once the press release went out and Lori and Chad were found out, things moved pretty quickly from there. On January 16th, 2020, the state of Idaho filed a child protection action, which ordered Lori Vallow to produce her two missing children within five days. And on January 25th, law enforcement in Kauai served Lori with this order. The following day, the Kauai Police Department served both Lori and Chad with search warrants for their persons, as well as for the rented Black Ford Explorer that they were driving around the island and the rented home they'd been living in. Now, in all of these places, there was no sign of J.J. or Tylee in person, but police did find both of their birth certificates in the car. They also found Tylee's ATM card, which had the Social Security benefits loaded onto it, which was still active and being used, even though no one had seen Tylee since September. They found JJ's iPad and another iPad, which had been logged into JJ's Apple ID. So what I think is happening is Lori's using the iPad to communicate with Larry and Kay Woodcock, most likely to pretending to be JJ, just kind of buy herself some time but they didn't believe it. Now, on site, at the time of Lori and Chad being served with these warrants was Nate Eaton of East Idaho News. And uh, we're going to play a clip of what happened at this point. Chad and Lori Daybell were served with two search warrants just hours ago. Law enforcement officers from eastern Idaho, along with federal agents and the Kauai Police Department, pulled Lori and Chad over. They were driving a black SUV. They pulled into this resort where I am standing. They put Chad into one vehicle, Lori into another. That's when their vehicle was seized and they had no way to get home. We had a chance to ask them so many questions that need answers. Lori Nate Eaton with East Idaho News. Can you tell me where your kids are? Where are your kids? No comment. No comment? They've been missing for four months. You have nothing to say? You're over here in Hawaii? Where are your children? Yeah, why don't you just give us a comment? Just tell us where they are. Chad, where are Lori's kids? What happened to Tammy, Chad? Can you tell us what happened to Tammy? Why have you guys been in Hawaii for so long? Listen, just tell people what's happening. There's people around the country praying for your children, praying for you guys. Why don't you give us answers? That's great. That's great. That's great that they're praying for you, praying for your kids, what? You have nothing to say? Did you do something to your children? Are your children still alive? That's a simple question. I've got three kids of my own. I can tell you every minute where my kids are at. Where are your children? What a great clip. I have three children. I love that clip. I mean, it's so point out the obvious here, but it, it's it's such a simple question. Where are your kids? Where are your kids? It shouldn't be a secretive thing. It just from the jump, I, I could look at this clip knowing their religious background and think, oh, they're they're safe somewhere. They're going through some ritual thing like that's possible. But you have to know it's clearly not good with whatever's going on with the kids, because if it were, 
they would just simply say it right there. End of discussion. Yeah, the kids are off at this religious retreat. We know a lot of people don't support it. So we've been quiet about it. You know, here they are. Leave us alone. We're allowed to do what we want with our kids. The fact that they're saying no comment. It's not like these guys are like famous people. It's crazy. It's absolutely well, insane. Lori I thinks thought... she's a famous person. She Look at her acting like she's sitting there. Her hair's freshly blown out. She's got her sunglasses on. She's like, no comment, no comment. Like She's like breezing along. And I think it's interesting how throughout the, the clip that I showed you, and this goes on you know, for like 10 minutes, Nate just like following them. He's like and, hammering them. Yeah. And Lori keeps glancing at uh, Chad, um, not for direction, I think, but to make sure that he stays strong and silent, especially when he's yeah, he ain't being, saying shit. He's not saying shit, but he's being asked about Tammy and what happened to her, and Lori glances over at him. And you can see that Lori keeps her face very stoic, no expression the whole time, but Chad is making expressions. When Nate Eaton says, uh, Lori, what happened to your kids? Chad, are the kids okay? Chad goes like this, like, like he closes his mouth like this and his eyebrows raise when they ask about Tammy again. He kind of like does this thing with his mouth and then his eyebrows raise almost like he's trying to like keep something in. Like it's a very weird sort of facial expression to make almost as if he's like, you don't want to know kind of thing. Like, do you see it? Oh, you definitely see it. He looks like a dummy. And I wanted to say something else. <laughs> he just looks like a dummy. He just looks like a Stupid puppet. Like the only thing that head. we're missing is Lori Vallow's hand up his ass. That's yeah. the only thing we're missing. Yeah. But but I will say something, and, and they'll never confirm this, but I'll tell you what. There are times where law enforcement will use the media to their advantage. And they may not have enough, but they, they know that the media doesn't have the same requirements when it comes to interviewing someone. And I wonder, I truly do, just looking at that. And I worked with the Quiet Police Department, and I can tell you, out of all the police departments I worked with on Breaking Homicide, they were one of the ones that were most receptive to allowing outside help mm -hmm. to look at the case. Mm -hmm. That just tells you that they're open to, to new things. And the reason I bring that up is because I wouldn't be surprised. First off, it looks like they were in like a rental car or something there, right? Like something from the island. In fact, it looked like it was an enterprise parking lot where they were, right? So I, I think they I were the, they were in the they were in the parking lot of the Kauai Beach Resort. That's where Kauai they were Beach going. Resort, yeah. Beach Resort in a rental car where they they, obviously it's car. not their car from home. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder what the I wonder what search warrant would have been justified to take that rental car because what are you expecting to find that maybe evidence of the kids or something? But yeah. either way, even if it's a weak warrant, you get that warrant, you tip off Nate Eaton that they're going to be taking their car. And you just tell him where it's going to happen and when, mm -hmm. and for and let he's him like, to go. They couldn't get home because <laughs> they couldn't get home. Couldn't so it's just like, home. like I said, not a collaborative effort, but just something like, "Hey, Mr. Eaton, we heard you're out on the island." Because again, he's coming all the way from Idaho. I wouldn't be shocked if there was something, maybe an anonymous source, maybe someone from internal had said, "Hey, you might want to check this area around this time, and they may be available for 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 an interview." And then they take that car, maybe knowing. There's nothing going to be found in this rental, but now they're going to have 10 to 15 awkward minutes where this guy's going to be able to pound him because it really seemed like he was ready for it and nobody was stopping him. He and he he seemed prepared. This made Nate Eaton's career this case. Like this is it, before nobody knew who he was and now, you know, he is like in the true crime world, I would say a household name, especially considering like all the crazy things that happen. Not to be Idaho. confused with who? Um, Brian that other Enten. dude, Brian Enton from right. Gabby Petito.
who will be at CrimeCon, by the way. And I'm actually looking so forward to meeting Eden, him. He's, most likely, because he was there last year. That's right. He was. You're right. So they'll both be there, and we'll try not to confuse them when we're there. But I no, promise I, I will not confuse them. Good. Because you good, will remind I'll, me I'll not pretend to. like I don't know you if you do. <laughs> you <laughs> I'm can, like, like, I don't know this As chick. we're like approaching, you can whisper in my ear, like, you know, they do for uh, in the Dev Wars Prada, like, this is Nate Eaton, East Idaho News. And I'll be like, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, no, I mean, he'll he'll never admit to it. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't think it was like this real secretive thing. But if he got a tip that this was going to happen and when. For sure got a tip. Because he just seemed like he was guns a blazing. He was ready, locked and loaded. Mm-hmm. And he was not going to, he was not going to step off, take off the pedal. He was like, I, I know what's going down in about 10 minutes and I'm just coming after them. And I'm sure Kawhi, all law enforcement agencies we're reading, you know, profiling that video, looking for their behaviors. They probably had people watching it. That's their way to question them without questioning them. So little trick might, it might, might, I might be wrong. I might be right, but I would definitely try something like that. I would do it. And I mean, when he's like, I have three kids, I know where they are every single minute. Like it is, it's impactful. And then he's like, everyone's praying, everyone's praying for your kids. And she's like, that's great. That's yeah, great. No, it like, was, it was super cold hearted, man. Great job, great job by by Nate and you know if the police tipped them off and they because you could even in that interview you can tell shit this ain't good the way they're oh, the way yeah. they're this, this this ain't good made an impact uh, for everyone when we saw this yeah this is like one of the hallmark clips of Lori and Chad them being served with these papers and basically just acting like nothing's wrong but not saying as you said something so simple. Where are the kids? Why can't you tell us where they are? That was the time. I mean, up until then, Lori had been telling everyone she talked to, you know, her family, friends, everyone, that that JJ and Tylee were just fine. She just wasn't telling anyone where they were so that she could keep them as safe as possible. But when this footage came out of Lori and Chad dressed in beachwear, clearly enjoying a luxurious and relaxing vacation without the two kids, And when people heard how cavalier and cold Lori sounded when Nate Eaton told her everyone was worried about J.J. and Tylee and praying for them, even the people closest to the couple began to question, like, what's really going on? You know, and I'm sure like lots of Lori's friends like Melanie Gibb were like, we're the only people she knows. If J.J. and Tylee aren't with us, where where are they? they? You know? Yeah. Like, we're the, the ones they... she trusts. Could there be other people that she trusts? We've never heard of them. We don't know where they could possibly be. Yeah. Not good. Not good. And this interview is very, very telling. They said a lot without saying anything. Lori's oldest son, Colby Ryan, said, quote, she just seemed so dismissive. And just to see her walking by and not answering questions struck a deep chord of anger in me. When I saw her and Chad there, I lost it. End quote. Lori's brother, Adam Cox, said, quote, Lori and Chad were on the beach being married and carrying on. I just thought, what is happening? How are they able to do this? The kids are missing. It's not right. End quote. April Raymond, Lori's friend in Kauai, said, quote, it was just such an empty answer and her reaction and her behavior did not match the gravity of the situation. People all over the world were losing sleep over Tylee and JJ and their own mother was so dismissive and flippant at the mention of them, end quote. April also said that Lori and Chad had been regulars at the temple there in Kauai and they'd been telling everyone there like, oh, we're being wrongly accused, wrongly attacked and maligned by law enforcement and the media, and like, you know, we're so sorry for all the trouble we're causing, but what, you you guys obviously understand like people don't believe in this stuff and they think we're religious zealots and we're just, we have to keep our kids safe. 
And the presence of police officers serving them search warrants and serving them warrants to, like, produce the kids and cameras following them everywhere. This still did not force Chad and Lori into hiding. They continued to lounge by the pool at the resort and make the most out of their beach vacation. And this is actually a new clip that we hadn't seen before, but it just came out um, during the trial. And it shows Chad and Lori being served with this order to produce the kids within five days. And you can see, once again, how she just is not phased. She doesn't care. This is all you can serve. Do you have any questions regarding that? So it is 1439 hours on January 25th. Any, any questions? You have any questions for that? No? Okay. okay. First off, that whole plan to like work on those abs, Chab, you're slacking, bud. Secondly. What did you say? That whole workout plan? Yeah. yeah. He just started. Okay. Give him a break. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. Abs, the tan, he's slacking on all of it. And that's coming from the a guy who, who walks around most of the time translucent. So... <laughs> I mean, damn. What do you think about his face during this clip? Like, it kind of felt like he was like super concerned and super anxious. And Lori's every time just I see chill. him now, I just think of a box of oatmeal. That's all I can. I can't get you. Like you, completely, you just did that to me and I just can't get past it. He just he just looks really unintelligent. He just looks like he's just there as a puppy for mm-hmm. Lori. And you could tell just by their body language, like who's in charge, who's, in charge. who's running the show, Thank by the way. You. It, it just it is very obvious. It's very obvious that she's the one who's pulling the strings, pulling the strings. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, these this body language is not good for Chad. He, he as a guy, you think he'd step up. Oh, let me see. What do we got here? Like as her protector, like he you guys got to go. He, he doesn't say her. a word. He defers to her. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. And uh, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it, the fact that we had to get to this point where we have to serve her. I cut to get some stuff out of this clip, by the way, because a lot of the clip was they came in. They gave her the paperwork. She takes it and she just kind of sits there and she's looking at it. And maybe twice she glances up at them like, you're still here. You're still here. And then finally, the third time she glances up, she's like, did you need something? And they're like, yeah, do you have any questions? And she's like, "Mm -mm." and they're like, "Okay." And then they leave. And she's literally so like she's not concerned. She's not phased. In fact, she she looks at them like servants, like you brought me my drink. Why are you still here? This doesn't bother me. If you were expecting a reaction out of me, if you were expecting some answers, if you were expecting me to start crying and freaking out, like, I refuse to give you that satisfaction. I'm going to stay stone-faced the entire time while Chad over there looks like he's about to drop dead, sweating bullets from, like, anxiety and stress. And, like, he's, like, looking over at it, like, as if he could see anything <laughs> from his no. from his point of view. But he just he's- looks so confused. No, I mean, I'm sure she knows that this is an effort that's going on with federal agencies, local agencies. They're all working together. Even the, the 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 people serving it, they're all it's all coming from the same source. It's coming from the the law enforcement agencies that are closing in on them. And I don't know if that officer where we see the footage was wearing a body cam, which is a little bit more discreet, discreet mm-hmm. or was he or did he have an actual camcorder out? You know, where he was just filming it, which they do from time to time on high profile cases. So it might have been very obvious to her that she was being recorded. And 
I do think, again, that law enforcement was aware that they were going to be served at this point and anything that they could have, she knows they're going to see. Yeah. So she's not going to say much because, again, she knows she's on the fire right now and and the walls are closing in on her. But she doesn't look like she knows the walls are closing in on her at all. I think... I think I think she does. I think she knows like this is not going to go. I think at this point she knows like this is not going to go away. But what do you do? The damage has already been done. Whatever you set up to try to protect yourself from being caught is there. Either it's going to work or it's not. The problem for her is she's realizing they're not going to go away. The the fact that she is their parent is not going to be enough for her to say it's none of your business. She is now finding out the hard way that the government can step in and force you to to provide your children, to show your children to us. Yeah, they're your kids, but we have a right to know. We're in fear of their lives. We're in fear of their health. And this, contrary to what you might have thought, we do have the legal ability to force you to produce your children. And I, I think she might have felt like this was going to go away and people were going to let her live her life and do what she wanted with her kids. And maybe then she would come up with some elaborate plan of what happened to them. But she didn't have that time. They were on her. And, and, and now she sees here, she's got five days. Got five days. It's not a lot of time to come up with this elaborate story that you're going to expect everyone to believe. Well, on that note, with five days, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, so we're back, and and Derek's like, I'm actually interested. Like, did she? Yeah. What did she do within that five days? Well, she did nothing. So that January 30th oh. deadline. What about this high profile lawyer? <laughs> you got nothing for him. Well, which high profile? Hers. The lawyer who put out the initial statement and said, that, you know, we'll we'll respond. I say high profile when you have a like actual something besides speculation and rumor. No. Yeah. She just, she the January 30th deadline came and went. And still, Lori and Chad did not produce the kids. They kept lounging on the beach. They were unbothered or appeared to be unbothered by the whole media circus. And maybe it's because they thought that none of it mattered, right? Because the end times were quickly approaching. Like maybe they were just trying to wait it out and then everybody would see. Chad Daybell had written about the end of the world several times. And he said he'd had visions of two earthquakes hitting the Wasatch Front in Utah. And these two quakes would be the sign of an impending judgment day. In a September 2015 blog post, Chad wrote, quote, the first one is moderate and it disrupts life for a few weeks. Many older brick buildings crumble and roads suffer damage, but repairs are made quickly, end quote. So this was like the first earthquake and Chad had described this first earthquake as being 5.7 magnitude. And strangely enough, a 5.7 magnitude earthquake would hit the area of Magna, Utah on March 18th, 2020. Guy, guy got to play a lottery ticket because that's just pure luck. I mean, right. And like also COVID hitting. When did COVID hit? Like right around that time. 2019. March, right? Yeah. March of 2020 is when. Oh, 2020. You're right. Yeah. Jesus. The world shut down. So like if you're Lori and Chad and you're looking for like affirmation that the world's coming to an end, we've got earthquakes, we've got plague, pestilence, all this stuff happening. And I mean, remember how crazy 2020 was because it wasn't just like. Uh, There were points where I did think the world was coming to an end. Honestly, I was like, this could go really bad. Exactly. So like you've got COVID, but then there was weird stuff happening, man. Like I remember there was something going on with like locusts, like locusts were like taking over or something at some point. Like, yo, <laughs> they they may have looked at these things as signs. Signs. They were right. That yeah. They were right. But, but you then know, again, this would require them to actually believe in their shit. So you're saying there is a part of them that does buy this whole thing. 
I think that you can convince yourself like if you like what do narcissists do? Narcissists don't know they're narcissists, right? They know that they're manipulating people, but they think that they're doing it for like the right reasons. You know, right. you can convince yourself of something to justify your actions very easily, depending on like your mental state and how badly you want to sort of eliminate responsibility for your actions. So, yeah, I think that they convince themselves of this eventually, but I don't think they started out believing this shit, if you want to know. No, I, I think I think you're probably right. I think you're spot on there. There's definitely when you say things for so many years, you got to kind of buy into it at some point. So if this first earthquake that's like, you know, a harbinger of doom for the apocalypse is in March, but that wasn't the date for the end of the world. According to Chad, the date for the end times would be July 22nd, 2020. But by that time that the date came and went, Lori and Chad would both be behind bars and the world would finally know what had happened to JJ and Tylee. And, you know, spoiler alert, the world didn't end. I mean, at least not not technically, I guess. They could have. And we could all be living in some sort of weird, like, matrix reality. And in a way, the world did change in 2020. But as far as I know, it did not end um, at Unless all. we're filming Crime Weekly in, in heaven, I mean, which... Oh. Or wherever you think we go. <laughs> or like a, a simulation of some kind. Yeah, that's true. The plug, man. It's in the back of the head. I don't know anymore, man. I really don't. <laughs> so on February 20th, 2020, Lori Vela was arrested at her Kauai condo and charged with two counts of felony desertion of a child. She was booked into the Kauai Police Department on a $5 million bond pending her extradition back to Rexburg, Idaho. During her time in jail, her new husband, Chad Daybell, made sure to be in constant contact with her every single day, whether he was visiting her in person or calling her on the phone. At the end of February, while Lori was still behind bars, Chad Daybell flew back to Rexburg. And when he was asked about the kids at the airport, I think he was at like the rent car place, like bringing the car back. He calmly responded that they were safe. And then he returned to the Salem home that he had shared with his deceased wife, Tammy. The following week, Lori was flown from Hawaii to Idaho and transferred into the custody of the FBI and Rexburg detectives. While in custody, many of Lori's family members wanted to speak to her. And then Lori's sister, Summer, and Lori's mother, Janice, publicly defended her in May of 2020, stating that they believed J.J. and Tylee were still alive and well. All she would need to do was show proof that the kids are alive and are well. Can you understand why she's refusing to do that? You know, it seems simple. It did to me. That's Janice Cox is Lori Vallow's mother. She says she doesn't understand all of the reasons for Lori's actions. But she doesn't believe her daughter could have gone from doting mother to cold-blooded child killer. All I know is the woman that she is. I did not see any great change in Lori. Have you asked your sister where the kids are? No. I've talked to her a couple of times. Uh, Summer Shiflet is Lori's sister. She says Lori has spoken to her from jail. And she said to me, you know me, and you know I've always taken care of my kids, and I do know that. So what is the scenario that Tylee and JJ are still alive? Well, to us, we believe they are because we know Lori, and that's, we have seen her dedication. Are they in a bunker somewhere? Are they with friends? Where do you think they are? We don't know. We wish we, we wish we knew. We don't know. But we also don't know what Lori has been through. 
She was being threatened. She was being followed. Who was threatening her? Well, um, Kay was threatening her. Um, and her brothers. They were very upset about Charles's death. There was a lot of threats made to Lori. I've spoken to people who live near Chad, and, and they say we follow Chad. They look at Chad like he's some sort of messiah. I don't know Chad very well. I've only met him one time. I've never heard anything about him self-proclaiming to be a prophet or anything else of that nature or trying to get people to follow him. We can't see Lori blindly following anybody. Can no. you? No, we can't see it. You don't think that Chad brainwashed her? No, no, he couldn't do it. It's not possible. These two say they think Lori really believes she is protecting her children, but they say they wish she would bring them forward. It's been devastating not to see Tylee and JJ in such a long time. We love them so much. And it's been devastating not to see Lori. Is there any part of the dark recesses of your minds that say, maybe she cracked and maybe this is not going to end up well. We have gone through those scenarios if probably a hundred times. Ha if something has happened to those children, it is not by her doing and it's not by some, her permission. She couldn't crack enough to do harm to her children. So many ironic statements in, the, so in that interview. Like Chad, like Lori wouldn't follow anybody blindly. Blindly, like they but know, they are. They know Lori, okay? Yeah. Well, no, but, but they also, they're blindly following her. They got nothing to confirm that she didn't do anything to her children other than the fact that they just are blindly following the fact that she wouldn't do that. Yeah, but then Even later- Even though everything suggests she did. Later, they're like, oh, Chad manipulated Lori, but here they're like, no way, not possible. Like the, the mom, Janice, he's like, oh, do you think she like followed Chad? Like, I mean, she's like, <laughs> it could never have, it could never be Lori. Lori, it could never be her. Like, but my other ridiculous. Son? But my other son. Alex now. <laughs> now that on the other hand, and that's the other thing I think that they, even Lori, when she says this statement to them, I would never, you know, when she's talking, I would never, you know me, I would never hurt my children. Well, she's not, she's not technically wrong, right? She's not lying. I mean, she's not lying. Yeah. You know, she, she didn't do anything. It mm. was, it was Alex allegedly, you know? So it's one of those things where she's, she's not obviously telling the truth, but in her way, she's, that's how she's justifying she's it. She's not lying. She's not lying, <laughs> but she ain't telling the truth. And what gets me is Janice Cox even told this reporter whoever she was talking to, that she had talked to J.J. briefly on October 1st, even though no one had seen him alive since September 23rd. And we know, based on Alex Cox's movements, that J.J. was not alive on October 1st. So I, I still can't figure out if um, Janice was lying or if somehow I think she was lying because if Lori's going to be able to do a convincing impression of JJ, she's going to do it on Kay and Larry Woodcock, not Janice Cox. So I think Janice was was lying, honestly, in my opinion, allegedly, to try to like support her daughter. But in the end, I mean, how did that work out for you? Yeah, didn't work out too well. And I mean, this would be the first time we've heard of a mother who doesn't have anything to substantiate what she believes, but yeah. her motherly instinct is to protect her child and yeah obviously i don't think she, from everything we've talked about over these seven parts there's nothing to suggest that she or her sister or her other daughter were involved so we'll give them that but no i i don't i definitely don't think they yeah they were, weren't no. involved and mm -hmm. and you know so it's one of those things where i get it you want to protect your daughter you're hoping that she's not the type of person that she's being described to be by you've others convinced yourself that she's yeah, you've, not you've, yeah. yeah but overall we see it all the time with parents right 
if sometimes, even though you tried your best, you raised the monster, even if it wasn't your doing. And that's just, that's, that's. But it usually is. I'll just say that. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I, I say, I, I don't know about that. Yeah, it can be. It Dude, can be in a all the cases that we have like covered, Casey Anthony, Scott Peterson, Lori what about Bella. Chris Watts? From what I've seen about his family, Yo, they seem pretty... What? They're defending their kid. Yeah, they're defending him. That's the thing. They're defending him when he confessed and led police to the bodies of his children. Well, they don't want to see their son killed. I don't care. I don't care what you want to see. I don't give a shit what you want to see. You do not have the balls or the audacity. Like, you can believe whatever you want in your heart amongst yourselves. You can be like, oh, poor Christopher, poor Christopher. Shanann was so mean. But you do not open your mouth in public and say that this kid, this guy, this man, I don't want to call him a man because he's a piece of living shit, that he had a reason or he's not like a monster like you think like no one wants to hear it and it's a it's a literal like slap to the 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 reputation and, and the memories of bella and cc and shanann and nico so literally chris's chris watts's mother can fuck off so if it was your son or daughter same I situation yeah i, I, you I, I, you've already, I feel like you've already asked me this or others have and one million percent like yeah my my son in my heart, I'm going to be like, I feel bad for him. I don't want to see anything bad happen to him. But I'm not going to have the balls after like the trouble that he's caused and the pain that he's caused to open my mouth publicly to the general like the general population that knows he's a monster. And that that's clearly to me just shows that you've enabled this dude for his whole life because he's made the most gravest mistake. The, he's done the most horrendous thing that, that you can think of a person doing. And you still feel like you need to open your mouth and like tell us not to be mean to him or like tell us that we should be understanding him more. Like this is the thing. He's never been held accountable for shitty behavior. So he continues to do shitty behavior. And when he does the shittiest thing a person can do, you still open your mouth to defend him. And no one wants to hear it, bitch. No one. I'll say nothing else. Chris Watts's mother can literally just like go, she she can go away. She never has to open her mouth again. And I I'm hope she really I never brought does. It up. I'm sorry I brought it up. Okay. All right. Let's move on. We're back. So just about a month after Janice and Summer made these ridiculous statements to the public on June 9th, 2020, the FBI executed a search warrant at the property of Chad Daybell. And it was actually (laughs) Chad's own careless statements via text message that had led the authorities to the places where the remains of JJ and Tylee would be discovered. Because remember, in a text to Tammy Daybell. On September 9th, 2019, the day after Tylee was last seen at Yellowstone National Park with her mother, Lori, her brother, JJ, and her uncle, Alex, Chad had claimed to have spotted a raccoon on his property, and then he shot the raccoon, and then he burned it before burying it in their pet cemetery. (laughs) Detective Ron Ball of the Rexburg Police Department, when he saw this text message, he thought it was odd, considering that raccoons are nocturnal animals who don't ever really come out during the daylight. And this text had been sent at 11 in the morning. A neighbor of Chad's, Matt Price, who lived across the street from the Daybells, also told the police that he had heard a gunshot that day. He had also watched as law enforcement dug on Chad's property for two days and the locations that they were focused on were also locations that had drawn his attention in the weeks before the death of Tammy Daybell. He told the police that the Daybells usually didn't have bonfires, but they'd had a big one the previous fall and two or three big ones that spring. Matt also said that a week before Tammy had died, she and Chad had come over to his house to buy pumpkins as they did every fall, 
but Chad seemed different. Quote, he was strange. He was different. He didn't talk a lot, didn't make eye contact with us very much. Normally he would, end quote. So with all of this information, Detective Ron Ball asked the FBI's cellular analysis survey team to compare the dates, times, and locations that Alex Cox had been at the Daybell property with the last known sightings of J.J. and Ty Lee. The FBI discovered that Alex Cox had been on Chad's property on four separate occasions during September of 2019, and on September 9th, Alex had spent most of the morning that he was there by the fire pit. On September 23rd, the day after J.J. had last been seen at Lori's apartment in Alex's arms, by Melanie Gibb, Alex Cox had been on Chad's property by the pond for 17 minutes. So when law enforcement arrived at Chad's house on the morning of June 9th, they were let into the house by Chad's two oldest sons, Seth and Garth Daybell. When Chad was told that detectives had a search warrant to dig up his yard, he called his lawyer. Now, Chad had been given the option to leave the property or to remain there with an officer during the search, and Chad had decided to sit in his SUV across the street. I'm going to read directly from the book The Doomsday Mother by John Glatt because he described perfectly what happened next. Quote, Around 9 a.m., the ERT began marking off parts of the backyard into grids and setting up blue canopies and tarps. By now, almost 100 law enforcement officers were on the property, each with his or her own designated tasks. Five cadaver dogs were led through the entire four-acre property looking for any clandestine graves. Officers also conducted a systematic line search pacing up and down the backyard with rakes on the hunt for any ground disturbances. Using satellite imagery, the FBI artist made sketches to pinpoint where each of the pings from Alex Cox's phone had been, while another team focused on finding the pet cemetery Chad's text had mentioned. They soon discovered it, ringed by a circle of bricks with a statue of a dog nearby, and concentrated on how best to excavate the suspected gravesite. A separate ERT was also working over by the east side of the pond where Alex's phone had pinged for several minutes on September 23rd. Cadaver dogs soon zeroed in on a small area by the pond underneath a tree, which had a slightly raised berm two feet by four feet, surrounded by longer and thicker weeds, end quote. Glatt goes on to talk about how J.J.'s body was discovered and how the coroner came to remove it from the shallow grave at around 11 a.m. And Chad Daybell, who'd been watching the search from his SUV intently for hours, parked at the edge of his property, he started to get super anxious. And Detective Hermosillo, who'd been in charge of watching Chad, said, quote, He had the phone in his right hand and was continually looking over his right shoulder. He would talk on the phone for a second and then continue looking back pretty intently, end quote. When Chad saw a flurry of activity on his property by the pond around 11 a.m., he got out of his SUV for a better look, and Hermosillo said that Chad took off his hat, ran his fingers nervously through his hair, looked down at the ground, put his hat back on, and got back into his vehicle. At 11.03 a.m., almost as if she she sensed something was going on, Chad received a call from Lori Vallow, and she was calling him from prison. And when he answered, she sensed something in his voice because she was like, are you okay? To which Chad responded, quote, no, they're searching the property, end quote. Chad told Lori that they had a search warrant. They were looking for the kids, but, quote, I'm glad you called. We'll see what transpires, end quote. Just a few minutes after this phone call, 
Chad in his SUV slammed on the gas and he basically tried to like escape. He tried to get out of there, but he was pursued by law enforcement who finally pulled him over about a mile from his home and placed him under arrest at 11.30 a.m. An hour and a half later, the charred remains of Tylee were recovered. That night, Chad was booked into the Fremont County Jail and charged with two felony counts of destruction, alteration, or concealment of evidence to which he pleaded not guilty. Not long after this, Lori's family released a statement to the press saying, quote, The Cox family, Janice and Barry, Summer, Melanie, and Ian, is deeply saddened by their recent findings in this investigation into the whereabouts of J.J. and Tylee. The family has maintained a strong hope and belief that they were alive and well. With that hope and belief apparently shattered, they struggle to find comfort and hope in this potential new reality. End quote. So we are going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to know kind of what you think about Chad's behavior here and uh, and what happened with this search. Because the, the police, I think law enforcement did an excellent job with this. Like they were Great able. Job. Yeah. So I, I can't wait to hear your take on this. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, so we're we're back. And as you said before the break. Law enforcement did do a good job. I think both of us will agree with this. We're, we're quick to, when something goes wrong, they're not doing a good job and they didn't do a good job in the beginning. Mm-hmm. We could even argue that some of this could have been prevented mm-hmm. if a better job was different, done. Different law enforcement. Um, different law enforcement agency. Yeah. But again, it's all, we're all together. You know, obviously every department's separate, but if they, it, it's a domino effect, right? If it, what was it, the Chandler Police Department originally? So it was like um, Arizona. I think it was the the police police in Arizona. I think it was Chandler. Yeah, yeah I think it was Chandler. Rexburg yeah, so, kind of seemed to do a good job from the get. As soon as right. they realized something was up, they were like, yeah. On so, it. so I mean, that being the case, there obviously the Charles Vallow thing a different thing, and then obviously we're here now, and and they're dotting their eyes, they're crossing their t's. I mean, I think it's clear it doesn't take a detective to figure out at this point something bad is going on here. Right. With everything they had at this point. They were well aware that it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. I don't think many of them thought that J.J. and Tylee were still alive. I think that if they if they were, Lori or Chad or a combination of the two would have had them record a video or had them call in right. just to get law enforcement to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Even if they were in a bad situation, they would have coerced them into recording a video or something so that law enforcement would have went away. Because at that point, if it doesn't... If they're not in danger, you really can't do much. But mm-hmm. they never could produce that because I'm sure investigators put two and two together that more than likely they were, JJ and Tylee were incapable of talking. And by as this time, they've day, gone through the text messages, right? So I think yeah, they know, right? Yeah, they know. They know what they know what's going on. And so then you get to this day, and yeah, they don't have enough to arrest Chad yet, but they're hoping based on the text messages it'll get them enough. So they have to they have to give him an opportunity to leave if he wants. I'm sure they're praying. That he doesn't, that he stays just long enough. And that's exactly what happened. He wanted to see what they were going to find. He was hoping that. Which is stupid. He should have left because he should have known what they were going to find. There's a hundred police officers there, dude. What do you think? Well, I think at this point, he's probably hoping, okay, here it is. Either they're going to find them or they're not. And if they don't find them, Lori and I are okay. And we're going to, we're going to go on with our life and we're going to move on from this and we're going to be okay. Hopefully we did a good enough job and they're unable to locate them because if they find them, I'm never going to be with Lori again anyways. So I think he stayed around long enough. And then that human instinct kicked in when he realized they're searching the area exactly where Mm -hmm. JJ was. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I got to go. And he he tried to flee the area. And at that point, cops were like, eh, not so fast. We got enough now, buddy. That's it. That's your last day as a free man. See you later. So overall, very good job. It's 
But Sad we also, had to get I think to this it's point. weird that she calls him and he says, like, they're searching for the kids, you know, and he knows it's recorded. Like, right. Well, I, th- I think that's what he's saying. That's they're searching for the kids. We'll see where this goes. I interpreted we'll see what that transpires, as. Yeah. Well, he, here's, here's where we find out because the, they're here. And ultimately, this is going to decide yay or nay. Are we going to get out of this alive? Are we going to be free people after this? And then she was like, well, do you want me to call you later? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. like, I And it's four even... acres. It's four acres. So, you know, they don't know everything that the police have done at this point. And Chad so they're hoping doesn't they miss know him. that they've got Alex's phone pings. That's right. So he's hoping that like. They miss. Yeah. Yeah. I just did a case and I was looking at it and, and it was something where they were searching a dam for it and they didn't find anything, but they still believe that this the, the this woman's remains were there mm-hmm. and uh, they never found them. And, and people are like, oh, well, I guess she wasn't. Well, it's mm-hmm. a huge area yeah. and it's very hard to find someone years later. You might think like cadaver dogs, dogs are like these perfect, you know, no, tools. we know that they're not. It, yeah. It's very easy based on the elements that you could miss. So. It could have been a situation where if they didn't have Alex's text and they didn't know where to look, mm-hmm. maybe they would have missed him. Agreed. They knew where on that pond to search. That was extremely advantageous for their investigation. And I also think the pet cemetery, maybe they wouldn't have disturbed that area, seeing that there's a little dog in there. And they're like, oh, that's. And they would have been like, well, yeah, they're the dog, the cadaver dogs are going to. Yeah, even if they have remains because there's dead things here. Yeah. Even if there's a yeah, exactly. Even if there's like a sonar brought in, they might see some disturbances under the ground which they you know, these sonar expar- experts are able to tell like, yeah, there's a disturbance in the soil here and we've had locations on breaking homicide where we're we're using sonar and it's disturbances and they can tell they can't see like human remains, but they're like, "Hey, that's indicative of a graveyard." Cuz sometimes even where buildings are to this day, there's gr- old graveyards underneath them and they're able to do that type of searching so that they know what ground is stable and which ground is. You mean like a a void underneath the ground? Yeah. It's not even, I've seen the images. It's not even a void, but it's just like, it's like the particles. So imagine all these dots and on, on concentrated, like, you know, push down soil the, the dots are very close together, uh-huh. but in areas where there's a body or bones, it mixed in with the soil. The soil's not there. So on, on the radar, on the screen, it just looks like the particles are more spread out because in between those particles are flesh, clothing, bone, whatever. So the, the dots aren't as close together where there's no justifiable reason why that dirt, which is compacted, wouldn't be compacted on that level because everywhere else... It is. Mm-hmm. So they can, they might look at that pet cemetery if they didn't have this information and say, yeah, well, you do have some disturbed dirt here, but it's a pet cemetery. So right. obviously there's probably a dead dog under there. Maybe they don't search it, but having that information that they had was critical to this case. Yeah, it really was. So on June 24th, Lori's sister, Summer, called Lori, who was at that point in the Madison County Jail. And Summer was crying, sobbing, actually. But Lori was, as always, completely calm as Summer informed her sister that Tylee and JJ had been found buried in Chad's backyard. Did you know they were there? (laughs) Can't talk about it. (laughs) I don't know what to say, Lori. You know how much I love you and Alex. I didn't see anything, anything, but you never let anything happen to the kids and just let them be thrown away 
I really don't have a lot to add. Lot to add to that. I was very. Uh, you could tell the hurt Visceral. in her voice. Yeah, yeah, and uh. you could just see that, like you said, the calm demeanor of Lori. She's just a sick puppy. She's just a. She's just a. She's not there. You know, she's a monster, and she knows she's being recorded. She knows she's got a trial coming up, and I. You could tell what she's saying without saying it, which you can already see her defense, right? Where it's going to be. Uh, I wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to the kids happened between Chad and. She's going to turn on Chad. I, I don't even know the end of the story, but I, I don't know if we're there yet. But I have a feeling that she's going to try to claim ignorance. Like she wasn't involved in whatever happened and it was Alex and Chad or just Alex. And she's as much uh, clueless about this whole situation as everyone else. The problem is if she really was, she would be screaming from the rooftops on every news station that she just wants to know where her kids are. But she had operated and conducted herself in a way where she was in on it. She knew where the kids were. They were okay. They had to trust her. So if she was totally unaware of where they were. Why would she be telling everyone that the kids were okay? That's and exactly she knew it. That. Yeah. So you can't go that way now. You can't go that way now. Because if you truly didn't know, you would be on every television channel asking for help. Asking to help someone find your kids. And you weren't. You, As her sister said, you were in freaking Hawaii dancing on a beach. And and in this phone call, like, I couldn't play the whole thing once again. It's like 15 minutes. But Lori's like, well, don't I deserve to, like, move on? Well, listen, first of all, basically Lori is still in this call after the kids' bodies are found, telling her family, they just don't get it. All right? They don't know everything. And she can't tell them everything. This is how she always is. I can't tell you everything. I just, I can't tell you everything. And, I mean, it's only June. So, like, the July 22nd, 2020 date hasn't hit yet. Maybe she thinks like it'll all be made clear next month, but she's still saying the media's painting me as a monster. This is what you see on TV. No one really knows what you're talking about. And and you know me, Summer, so you should know better. And she's still continuing on with this. But something important did transpire during this call because at that point and to this day, Lori has denied knowing anything about her children's deaths. She has no involvement. She knows nothing about it. But when Summer accuses her of dancing on a beach in Hawaii, smiling and taking wedding photos later in the call, Lori responded, quote, yeah, months later, trying to go on with life, trying to be happy, trying to find some kind of happiness. You think I want to be alone? End quote. Now, this quick admission kind of sounds like to me Lori knew when her children died because she said she was dancing on a beach months later, which means she had some idea 
of when they had been oh, the time murdered. frame. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, she could just say like, well, they I hadn't seen them since September. So now that they're dead, I kind of put two and two together. I guess she she could say that. But like still, mm. what she's going to try to say is like, yeah, I was told that they were OK. And so I believed that they were. Yep. Um, Sounds about right. And who is she? Are you going to get there? Who she was told by that they were OK? She never they like they never really say and like we'll get there. But like. During the closing statements, her attorney is basically like, oh, Chad was just following, you know, Lori was just following Chad. There you go. But reportedly, Lori was mad that they did this and tried to, like, throw Chad under the bus reportedly. Oh, okay. So after this call, Summer Shiflet, Lori's sister, posted on Facebook that she'd been wrong for defending Lori and, like, you know, she just wanted to believe her sister. And now she sees that Lori, you know, was involved and knew more and et cetera, et cetera. Hindsight, all that jazz. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. We, I don't think we've still got an apology from Janice Cox for claiming she talked to JJ on October 1st, but whatever. We, can, we can't expect too much from the Cox family. Let's take our last break and then we'll be right back. So we're, we're back from break and, and I just, I, I want to echo what you said as far as we definitely didn't hear anything from Janice. She's obviously, I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Well, we had sense. their public statement, like, we're saddened by this. Yeah, we the, have to live with this yeah. new reality. Blah, 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 she was quick blah. to go on television to defend, to defend her, though, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. interesting. But mm-hmm. with Summer, I think all of us can understand where she's coming from. She wanted to believe her sister. You know, you grow up with this person your entire life. And at one point, they may have been just a normal person that you, you know, your sister that you got along with. And Lori Vallow ain't never been normal. Well, you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They didn't, they, I don't think it ever crossed Summer's mind that she'd be capable of doing something like this. So when you hear these things from the media and from law enforcement, you're thinking, no way. I know this person. There's no way they would be capable of doing something so horrible. There's just, you, it's, it's hard for people, even me sitting here with all the cases that I've done, even all the cases that you've researched, it's you still never get accustomed to the idea that like human beings are capable of doing this to other human beings. Nevertheless, n- children, mm-hmm. it's just not something that you're going to be able to process ever. You're never going to be like, yeah, I get it. Makes sense. You know, I understand part for the course. So having it be someone that you love and that you grew up with, it's that much harder. So you have this point where she's out there. She's defending her sister. She finally realizes after, you know, the, the, the children are discovered on Chad's property that there's no way. Just there's no way her sister wouldn't have known about this. And if she did, she wouldn't have been saying what she was saying on TV this whole time. Mm-hmm. So at that point, she she puts it on Facebook. She says what she says. And I'm sure she you could tell how hurt she is by it. Oh, and yeah. to think like I, she would have taken the kids. This this shouldn't have been. A, this is, could have been a non-issue. She said exactly. it. you could have gone and done whatever you wanted. You didn't have to kill them. And I think she's not saying it directly in here because she also knows she's being recorded. But. She knows. She's oh, she 100- says it basically in, in the rest yeah. of the call. Like, yeah. I know you did it. And, and and there's no way you wouldn't have known. And if you didn't do it yourself, you still kept it under wraps and you cut us off because we, we wanted answers and you weren't going to give them. So there's a lot of victims in this case. It's not just the two we're talking about. It's a lot of family members, a lot of friends who are all, all forever affected by this. It's It has a, a, a strong ripple effect. 100%. Throughout the, the whole fa- the families. And uh, one of the jurors in Lori's trial says something similar because they also played, I didn't, I'm not going to play it because it's, it is really disturbing, but they played a phone call between Lori and her son, Colby. 
after the kids' bodies are found, and, and Colby's doing much of the same, but it's it's almost more heartbreaking. Like he he's literally like, "Why did you do this to my siblings? Like, why did you do this? Like, oh my god!" And he's like devastated. And this jury member said, "Lori just calmly, coolly, and in such a calculated manner." continues to devastate person after person after person and she doesn't care at all and you can tell that she doesn't care at all and it's not just an act because she knows she's being recorded this is how she is and you could tell summer feels used right Um, because she says like you wouldn't even be talking to me if you didn't need me the only reason you finally talked to me last month was because you wanted me and our mother to go and publicly defend you. You manipulate people. You use people like Summer clearly is like, I love you. You're my sister. I would have done anything for you, but we don't mean shit to you. We're just pawns to be used and moved around the board to be pulled off the shelf and, and, and used for your own means when you need it and to be put back never to have to be answered to to or by you ever. So Summer feels used. Colby feels completely like devastated. Everybody just can't understand because like you said, Larry and Kay Woodcock would have taken JJ. The Cox family would have taken Ty Lee. I mean, she was 16. She was, she was going to be on her own in a couple years anyways. I don't think that Ty Lee would have been much better off with Janice and Barry Cox. But she only had a couple of years until she was an adult. She could have gone to college and gotten the hell away from her crazy ass mother. But then Lori wouldn't have gotten the money from their social security benefits, right? Yep, exactly. And I mean, she couldn't very well tell her family like, well, I was going to kill them for $5,000 a month, but if you guys want to take them and pay me $5,000 a month, we'll call it even. So prosecutors ultimately believed that Alex Cox had been the one to commit the murders, but they believed the murders had been masterminded by Lori and Chad. Obviously, I I agree. I think Alex was very weak-minded, very susceptible to being, you know, manipulated and used and controlled. And it kind of felt like the most that Lori and Chad could be charged with was conspiracy to commit murder at the time. But by May of 2021, the full list of charges that Lori and Chad faced were revealed. So jointly, they would be charged with the conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and grand theft by deception for the death of Tylee Ryan. They'd also face first-degree murder charges and the death of Tylee, and these charges would be repeated for J.J., the conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and grand theft, as well as uh, first-degree murder charges. And there was an additional conspiracy to commit first-degree murder in the death of Tammy Daybell. Lori and Chad also faced separate charges. So Chad was charged with the first-degree murder of Tammy Davell. He was also charged with insurance fraud for a life insurance policy he had on Tammy for which he was the beneficiary and received money uh, after her death. Additionally, he was charged with another count of insurance fraud. And Lori faced charges of grand theft related to the Social Security survivor benefits for Tylee and JJ. And in the state of Arizona, Lori also faced a conspiracy to commit first-degree murder in the death of Charles Vallow. Within a day of these charges being announced, the defense team requested that Lori Vallow undergo a psychological assessment, and a psychologist found Lori incompetent to stand trial, so Lori's trial was postponed until she could be brought back to full mental health, which took roughly 10 months to do. And just for anybody who's curious, um, saying somebody's Incompetent to stand trial doesn't mean that they're legally insane, doesn't mean that they are, uh, you know, you know, going to be found not guilty based on mental insanity. It just meant that they wanted to make sure 
Lori was in the right state of mind to understand the legal proceedings, what was happening to her, and to be able to participate in her own defense. And I'm sure that as much as Lori could act not crazy, she could turn it on and act plenty crazy when being assessed by a psychologist. Of course. She, I mean, she turns it on for everybody else. We talked about it episodes one, two, three, and four, where this woman had a knack for being able to become the person that the casting agency or the judges wanted her or to the be. the police. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what she does. That is one of her uh, her skill sets that she possesses that inherently she was just very good at. And she'd already been psychologically assessed, remember, when yeah. she was with Charles and, and she'd been found to be completely sane. So, yeah, she can turn it on and turn it off whenever she wants. Very convenient. Yeah. Well, in September of 2021, the children of Chad and Tammy Daybell spoke publicly for the first time together. These children are Mark Daybell, Leah Murphy, Seth Daybell, Garth Daybell, and Emma Murray. And they all told 48 Hours that they believed their father had been framed by Lori Vallow and her brother, Alex Cox. If you ask me, Chad and Lori framed Alex, but okay. So the children believed that the remains of J.J. and Tylee being found on the Daybell property is proof that Chad is innocent of their murders. Chad's daughter, Emma Murray, said, quote, I don't know why they would be here, but I do know that if he were to commit a crime, he wouldn't be foolish enough to put the evidence in his own backyard, end quote. The Daybell siblings claimed that Chad had no idea J.J. and Tylee were buried there, and Emma claimed that there was ample opportunity while the property was unattended during the day for someone to sneak on and secretly bury the remains. Emma pointed out that her father rarely went outside, and neither burial site could be seen from the house. If Chad was going to get rid of evidence of a crime he'd been involved in, there were many other, even more remote locations for him to do that. And Emma said, quote, you can look around for miles and miles. There's not houses and neighbors. You could go down that river that way. There's land down there that no one would ever touch, end quote. So I agree in a sense that it's like stupid to, <laughs> to bury the kids on your own property. But there's plenty of evidence that Chad was well aware. For instance, the text that he sent Tammy about the raccoon and how he had to shoot the raccoon. There's no freaking raccoon, right? The police didn't find a raccoon. And the Daybell children were like, well, there could have been a raccoon. And our dad was telling us that there was a raccoon creeping around and we had set traps for this raccoon. And there's another pet cemetery that the police never checked and the raccoon could be buried in there. So that's probably what he was talking about. But it happened to be the exact date and time that Alex Cox was there on the property, burying Tylee. So it like burning her too. So you're going to tell me that Chad Daybell, at the same time that Alex Cox is setting a bonfire to burn Tylee's body, Chad Daybell's also setting a bonfire to burn a raccoon and they just don't see each other. They're like using the same bonfire and Chad's like, hey, Alex, what are you doing here on my property? Just burning something? I'm burning something too. What are you burning? Nothing? Okay, I'm burning a raccoon. Come on, man. And then he calls or Lori calls him and Chad's all like, they're looking for the kids. Like, we're going to see what transpires. If you didn't know that they were there, why would you say we're going to see what transpires? You know, like you'd be like, well, they're not going to find anything. So there's plenty of evidence that that Chad knew exactly what was going on. And he was there when Alex was there at least um, burning and disposing of Tylee's body. Well, I got a better one for you. They're the, the police are there on a four-acre lot of land. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, when they're searching certain areas, Chad is in his car or he's you know, he's kind of a little bit more relaxed. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they get to the area where J.J. was buried, he gets more nervous. He gets more anxious. He's outside the car. Looking and around. right before they find J.J., it was right he decides after, at that actually. moment he's going to take off. Yeah. So- 
coincidence? I don't think so. So he knew at that point it was the jig was up. He knew he knew where the bodies were buried, literally. Literally. And and so when they got close and they were they were snooping around the spots that he were that were in question that he knew where the kids were, he decided he was going to make a run for it. And I think that that alone, that action mm-hmm. is very is very indicative of him having having knowledge of where the children were at minimum, whether that was at Alex's hand or a co- combination of the two. He knew where they were. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I mean, obviously. Obviously, he did. And I don't blame these kids for defending him, I guess, uh, even though well, that's, it is, what that's what he's telling them. Yeah. But you know what I mean? That's what he's telling them. It's just like, like there's summer. evidence that their mother was murdered, you know, so like, <laughs> yeah, this is. And then and then like and then he's married like two weeks later and they were like, yeah, it was odd the way he just like suddenly married Lori and like moved on. But, you know, whatever. So the Daybell kids claim also that the shallowness of the graves points to their father's innocence since he'd been a professional gravedigger for much of his early career and he would know better. According to Seth Daybell, quote, this is a man who buries pets like as deep as he can. He knew how to dig graves and that just doesn't sound believable to me, end quote. Except I don't I don't think he did. I think it was Alex who did. But regardless, he knew it was happening. We don't necessarily think he was out there with him. They had the lackey do the work. I think he was out there with him. But we I think he was think, the present when he killed him. I don't think that Chad was present when Alex killed the kids. I don't I think so think either. I think that he was present when Alex was disposing of their remains. Like See, sort of that, that's, that's standing where you over and, and watching. Maybe not like right up front, but like probably in eyesight, like kind of watching what was happening. Yeah. See, I, I and this isn't like a like giving him credit. I, I think he's such a coward that more than likely he was sitting in the house again creating that level of plausible deniability you know what i don't see i can't i can't say i knew you know what i mean yeah but Alex then why is the guy who's text, a scapegoat why would he text tammy and be like oh there's a gunshot if you hear about a gunshot it's because i shot a raccoon and if you hear about a fire oh, because i think I he knew this. what was going on but he then he would have to know happen. on some level what was happening in order oh to- yeah he i I, I agree. So he's watching from from a distance. No, I don't maybe. Think, I mean, listen. I have nothing. I can't debate you on. I wasn't there, but I would argue that just his background. He just looks like a. He just looks like a coward. He just looks like someone who doesn't get his hands dirty. So I, I just don't see him being present for it. And I think in the back of their minds, and I could be wrong. I think there was always a plan B, which was, hey, if this comes out, if we get exposed, we're dropping the hammer on Alex. He did this by himself. He's the problem here because they obviously don't know they're going to get all those text messages. I think the reason they had him do a lot of this stuff and get his hands dirty is that if it ever, if the ship ever was going down, they were going to blame it all on Alex. I think he was and, always and the Alex scapegoat. Alex knew that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was part of the reason why they tried to separate. They tr- facilitated everything. But when it came to the actual act, they let little Alex go handle it because they knew if they had to dime out somebody, Alex, if he was still alive... He would be going down for all of this by himself. They would both turn on him. Yeah, absolutely. Which is horrible, but there's that 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 that's what was going to happen for sure. And Alex sensed it, and we don't know why he sensed it, but it most likely it was something to do with, you know, the way what they, the things they said to him, the way they were treating him towards the end, distancing themselves, etc. Well, in July of 2022, the Daybell siblings were still defending their father, saying anyone who thought Chad could kill someone clearly didn't know him. <laughs> 
Did you know what he did to the bees, guys? Like the mass murder of the bees? Emma said that meeting Lori Vallow was the worst thing that had ever happened to her father. And if Lori had never come into their family's life, none of this would have happened. I agree with her there. They also claim that their father didn't kill their mother or have anything to do with her death. And Tammy Daybell had not been in perfect health, as had been reported, with Emma saying, quote, she would get out of breath very quickly, would get very tired, and she started going to bed very early at night, end quote. But like her autopsy said she was asphyxiated, like her autopsy proves she was murdered. I just don't understand this level of delusion. Emma also said that her father was not hiding anything by not wanting an autopsy. In fact, it wasn't even his decision. She said, quote, the narrative is that he was going, no, no, no autopsy. But he was standing there in complete shock, traumatized, letting us make the decision. If he was trying to hide something, I wouldn't leave something like that up to my kids if I was trying to hide something, end quote. So Basically, Emma here is saying our mother was sick. She wasn't doing well. And we were the ones. This is what it sounds like to me. We were the ones who decided to not have an autopsy. And our father had nothing to do with that decision because he was just so traumatized and so much in shock that he couldn't make that decision. And that was our decision. I mean, that could be the case, but it also could be that he was going to push them that way anyways. And when they suggested it, he was like, well, if that's what you want. You know, yeah. if they had if they had wanted one, maybe he would have tried to. Or he said something like, I just can't stand the thought, the thought of the, the idea of your mother being cut up like me. Yeah. Like, that's going to be so much worse. Like, it's bad enough that she's dead. But to think that somebody would put her on a slab and cut into her. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's manipulative. He's a call leader. So, you know. By April of 2022, Judge Stephen Boyce, who's awesome, by the way. I love this judge. Um, he ruled that Lori Vallow was now competent to stand trial now competent, I said, not not competent. She was now competent to stand trial, but she still refused to enter a plea to her charges. So he was forced to enter a not guilty plea on her behalf. Chad and Lori were supposed to have been tried together, but then Chad's attorney requested that the trials be severed because they needed more time to review DNA evidence and Chad waived his right to a speedy trial. Lori did not waive her right to a speedy trial and her defense team said that they were ready to go to trial on April 3rd, 2023 as planned. So the prosecutors had wanted Chad and Lori to be tried together. Obviously, it's better for their case if Chad and Lori are tried together as one because this was something that they were both involved in. But they also cited the expense of holding two separate trials that were each expected to take weeks or months. But the judge noted that the prosecution had not given the DNA evidence, which was a hair found at the crime scene, to the defense attorneys in a timely manner. And Chad's attorney, John Pryor, wanted to have his own DNA testing done on the hair. So Judge Stephen Boyce said, quote, I have to balance these rights of these defendants in this case. Severance is the only option I see, end quote. On April 10th, 2023, the prosecution and the defense made their opening statements in the trial of Lori Vallow. And the defense's opening statements were kind of weird. And like, tell me that this guy, this lawyer, um, I think his name is Jim Archibald. He doesn't sound like the guy from Ferris Bueller. Like, Bueller, Bueller. The evidence will show that people were attracted to her, as the state has told you. They've been attracted to her pretty smile, her vivacious personality, her fun-loving, happy-go-lucky personality. People wanted to be around her. Lori was such a, a good, responsible mother to her two children that her husband's sister, Kay Woodcock, wanted her to adopt a special needs 
toddler, newborn. Kay Woodcock was the grandma to a child born in Louisiana in 2012, a child with special needs. The child's parents couldn't take care of him because of their own personal problems. The evidence will show that Lori was a dutiful wife to Charles Vallow. They both worked hard, he at the office, and she at home. She was a kind and loving mother to her children. The evidence will show she had a particular interest in religion in the end of times. You'll recognize the quote-unquote end of times as something spoken of in the Holy Bible, the New Testament. Most of you will understand when I say that. Some people could care less about biblical prophecies. Some people care a lot about it. Thankfully, in this country, we get to worship how we choose. The evidence will show that once Lori and her friends met Chad Daybell, an author on religious subjects, her beliefs began to morph and to change. And that's where you come into this story, because the, the stories diverge. So we haven't been able to agree on what happened, and we need you to decide it. So what happened? How did these children die? Who was involved? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Why? Why did it happen? Yeah, Duffy has a monotone voice. Uh, I get like, where he's going with like it. He's not even trying, man. <laughs> yeah, but as far as where he's going with it, we we can see, right? He's gonna they're gonna she's gonna blame Chad. She was manipulated they by Chad. They didn't, though. They didn't blame Chad at all. They didn't say anything about Chad throughout the entire trial, dude, until the closing statements. And I think even one of the jury members was like, what? Like, you should have gone with that defense the whole time. Like, it seems like they had intended on it. For some reason, they called an audible, right? You know what audible is, right? I mean, yeah, you've told me this before. Right? <laughs> yeah. Audible, they called a change. And maybe yeah. there is some truth to the fact that Lori was like, no, we're no not doubt. going that way. No doubt, dude. Yeah. Absolutely so no So they decided, because they, they probably figured that was the best play. I feel like Lori probably was saying, hey, listen, regardless of how this plays out, I'm not going to have the person that kind of represents the religion that I believe in or the religion itself fall on the sword for, for me. Not going to do it. Well, she can't blame her religion if she's turning on Chad and saying that he like manipulated her, right? Right. Like, they, she has to stay with the program. They both have to stay with the program. However, we don't know if Chad's going to turn on Lori at his trial next next year, which <laughs> chances are he probably is. I hope he does. I really hope he does, because if he does, then we might get some answers. We might get some insight into what happened between the two of them and what happened to J.J. and Tylee. So if Chad because they're they took the death penalty off the table for Lori, but it's still on the table for Chad. And I think they're doing that because they want him to make a deal. They want to be like, okay, Chad, like, tell us what happened. Like, they obviously cannot try Lori again because as we're going to find out, well, hold on. I'll get there. I'll get there. We don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. So defense attorney Jim Archibald told the jury that they were there to simply judge Lori and her actions. 
They were not there to judge Alex Cox and his actions. They were not there to judge Chad Daybell and his actions, just Lori and her actions. And he's pretty much saying this because he's like, yeah, Chad and Alex probably had a lot to do with these kids dying, but like Lori didn't. And you can't prove that she did. And he said that Lori had an alibi for the dates and times that her children were being murdered. She was in her apartment with three other people. And her brother, Alex, had killed J.J. and Tylee in his apartment nearby. The prosecution responded saying, quote, an alibi does not apply to a conspiracy charge. The alibi disclosure is misplaced as to those charges. Basically, like she could have still been a conspiracy to murder without having to have been physically there. And then they said an alibi is similarly misplaced in charges where the defendant is charged with murder as a principal, end quote. At the end of the trial, uh, it took the jury only seven hours to find Lori Vallow guilty of murdering her two children and conspiring to murder Tammy Daybell, who the prosecution referred to as her romantic rival. During the trial, the state called dozens of witnesses and repeatedly showed the jury pictures of the remains of J.J. and Tylee. Although most of the evidence during the trial was circumstantial, like, you know, text messages between Lori, Chad and their followers, a DNA expert did testify that a strand of hair stuck to the tape on JJ belonged to Lori. The prosecution claimed that Chad and Lori had done it for the money and they involved themselves and others in a deadly conspiracy that they tried to justify with religious beliefs. Instead of just leaving their respective families and starting a new life together, they plotted to kill Tylee, JJ, Charles, and Tammy in order to benefit financially from each of these people. The defense claimed that Lori was enthralled with Chad Daybell, a man she believed to be her eternal soulmate and messiah. And like I said, this was in the closing statements. Jim Archibald said, quote, Lori wants to tell you how much she loves Jesus. But is she a leader or a follower? She's not leading anyone. She's a follower of Chad. She thinks Chad is a follower of Jesus, but he's not. He's a follower of the storm. End quote. I don't know what he means by this. Is he talking? Is he talking about Chad's penis? Like, is that what Jim Archibald is referring to? Because why do we why does the storm keep coming up here? And what if not? Chad's penis is Jim Archibald referring to when he says the storm. I have no clue, but I mean, I'm assuming he had access to text messages, but if he didn't, he doesn't realize what it sounds like he's saying. I think that he means that like Chad was not a follower of Jesus. Like he followed his penis wherever it yeah. led him pretty much. Which which is which is possible which that is you know true. he could be he's just using a polite way of saying it. Yeah. Because I'm assuming through the 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 trial, they probably mentioned some of these text messages where yeah. they referred to his penis as a storm. So this was a polite, respectful way of saying, like some guys, they lead with their the the wrong head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, <laughs> agreed. But the prosecution yeah. did not agree. Instead, they said that Lori had used money, power, and sex to get what she wanted. She always had done this, and it didn't matter what it was that she wanted. She would find a way to get it by manipulation. A month after she was found guilty, Lori's attorneys claimed she deserved a new trial because the jury had been confused by misleading instructions, and they argued that the court should overturn Lori's previous trial and she should be retried alongside Chad Daybell, who, like I said, is scheduled to go to trial next year in 2024. Judge Stephen Boyce denied this request for a new trial, and Lori is actually scheduled to be sentenced on July 31st. Although the death penalty is off the table, she can still get life in prison. The trial of Chad Daybell has been scheduled to begin at 9 a.m. on April 1st, 2024, and reportedly prosecutors are pursuing the death penalty in Chad's case. 
Um, and this is where I, I think that literally they're doing this because they want to find out. They want to find out exactly what happened. Who did this? They need the information. So they can still tell Chad, like, you're going to get life in prison for your part in this, but at least you won't go to death row. So give us the information that, I mean, you and I have said multiple times during the series, well, we'll never know. We'll never know. Well, we will know if uh, one of these people, Bonnie or Clyde here, decide to break their silence. It ain't going to be Lori because she's the strong one, okay? She's the strong-willed one. She's the one that sits there stone-faced as people sob, as people batter her with questions. Where's the kids? Where's the kids? And she's got no reaction. Chad's the one who I think that is the weaker link and who they can get to. And we may get some answers if he decides to turn on her, which I mean, at this point, they're both going to prison one way or the other. They're never going to see each other again. So what do you got to lose, man? What do you got to lose? It also could be a not only is he the weaker one, but if, if you're trying to get the full story, there's a hierarchy, right, of the mm-hmm. decision making process. Well, Lori can't turn on the her who was directing her because she was in charge. Mm-hmm. Where Chad can True. genuinely say, like, yeah, listen, Lori was telling me to do this. This is what she told me how why we were doing it, how we were doing it, and I was wrong, obviously, for doing it. But she's the one who was pulling the strings. She's the one who was directing her brother to do what he did. And I just was She's the one who was like honey badgering me too, yeah. like, you know, honey potting me. I mean, like, yeah. you so know, that, that she can't turn on anybody because she's only punching down where he can say, yeah, no, she was the one who came up with the plan. She's the one who got her brother involved. I wasn't as close with him. She was the one directing this whole thing. And I was just helping create an alibi. And I mean, if you look at it, we had Charles gone, JJ gone, Tylee gone weeks before in Charles case, months before Tammy Daybell is dead. That's right. And and it kind of seemed like Lori was sort of like in text messages, you know, why isn't your wife dead yet? You know, yeah, why yeah, yeah. why have I c- carried my part and I've done and I've gotten rid of my obstacles, but your wife is still alive. It kind of seemed like she was leading the charge there. And uh, reportedly, you know, Lori and Chad are still going strong, still solid. And she was upset with her legal team for attempting to blame Chad for everything during closing arguments. And Lori's brother, Adam Cox, recently told news outlet KSAZ, quote, I believe that she believed everything that Chad told her and she still believes it while she's sitting in jail. She still believes that Chad is a god or whatever he told her he is, end quote. Bullshit. She doesn't believe that. She never did. And it's very easy because her family was like, Lori could never be manipulated. And now they're like, poor Lori was manipulated. And Adam Cox is like apparently doing a podcast about this, which is in poor taste, in my opinion, because you had the opportunity to step in for months, for years. For years, right? Because Adam Cox was one of the people that Charles Vallow was like talking to about how crazy Lori was acting and about these new religious beliefs. And they were like, oh, let's do an intervention. And like, you knew about this for years. And when those kids went missing, you knew what Charles Vallow had told you about what Lori believed about zombies and having to get rid of it and stuff. And you you all still like defended her. You all still kind of like supported her. So now you want to do a podcast I don't know. I think it's in poor taste personally for me. Adam Cox is also the DJ who like made that 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 woman drink so much water she died. So do we really want to be hearing from him? I know he's like eager to get back into the radio game, but I think it's in poor taste personally. I will not be listening. I will not be listening. Maybe I will. Maybe you will. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) So, so I mean, come on. So you want me to go first? Do you want me to go first as we wrap this up? I mean, yeah. Do you have final thoughts? I do have final thoughts. So two things, two things. First off, and this may be the obvious. 
I feel like we know the motive here. I feel like there were multiple opportunities for JJ and Ty Lee to be given up to other family members mm-hmm. or friends mm-hmm. where they could have gone on and lived their life and it wouldn't have affected uh, Lori or Chad in any way Mm-mm. other than what? Finances. Financially. So that's what this comes down to. What's the what's the, the common denominator here? What's the factor that would have been altered if they were still alive? And that's the money because if the kids aren't with them, then whatever caretakers were taking care of them, they would have gotten the social security. So that's why they had to go. Same thing with Tammy, right? There's an insurance policy. Chad could have said to her, like a lot of other adults, listen, I'm no longer in love with you. I want to be with Lori. Mm -hmm. I want a divorce. This is over. Would have been hard. Would have been, you know, whatever to get difficult to go through that. But she could have went on living. He could have gone on with Lori and it would have been fine. But again, they wouldn't have got the insurance money. So I do think that's what this really boils down to. And I I hate to make it that simple. It's money. But in some cases, that's really what it is. And that's the the final point that I want to make about this case. And I've been seeing it on a couple other cases that were coming across my feed or whatever. And it's whenever there's this horrific event involving human beings doing something that seem impossible that they could do that. It's always like, well, they must have been mentally ill. They must have been. The reality is some people are just bad people. Yeah. And some people do things for reasons that you or I may not do it for, but they're, they're, they're together just because they believe in a religion that we don't all believe in doesn't mean they're mentally ill. And the reality is I truthfully believe that Lori, Chad, Alex, they were sane people. They were mentally competent. They're just bad people. They're just bad people willing to do bad things. And in this case, the motive, the, the, the motivation behind doing those things was money, greed, being selfish and, and wanting more money for themselves. I think that's as simple as it gets. I want to take seven episodes and compile them into those two thoughts. But I really think it's that simple for me. I mean, we've seen this throughout history, right? We've seen people who come forward and gather followers and claim that the end of the world is coming in order to reach their own means. Uh, We've seen it with Charles Manson. He told his followers that like Helter Skelter was happening and they had to go into a pit in the California desert. And then when they came out, everybody would be dead and they would take over and, and, and rule the world. Very similar kind of concept, right? Uh, David Koresh did the same thing. They all had their motives. David Crush basically just wanted to have sex with everybody. Charles Manson also basically just wanted to have sex with everybody and do drugs and, and be respected and be revered. What were what were Lori and Chad's motives? We think money. Also, I think some sort of respect, some sort of reverence, some sort of following. These things can go hand in hand. These are the types of people personality-wise that sort of gravitate towards this type of behavior. It's not normal, but it's, like you said, not necessarily mentally ill. So in college, I took a, a course called Abnormal Psychology, and it's basically just like this is the standard of people who behave within the confines of what society tells you is right and wrong, morally, legally, et cetera. And then there's people who don't. And those people could be mentally ill. Those people could just be, like you said, bad people, aka, I think, evil. You know, there is evil in the world. And at our core as human beings, we all have the ability, the capability to be evil, to be bad, to 
be uncivilized, but most of us remain in in the confines of what society tells us is morally and legally right because we want to because we want to be good people even though we have maybe a little bit of seed in us that's kind of like I don't want to be civilized and I want to kind of do things the wrong way and uh, but we we resist that because at the end of the day we we want to be good people and we want to do what's right and we don't want to hurt others who knows what separates us from the people that don't do that? It, it sometimes is mental illness, and sometimes I do believe that it's just like a, a you don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They're selfish. They're narcissists. They care only about themselves and what they want in that moment. They have no sense of delayed gratification. It's all about me, 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 now, now, now. And if we looked at Lori Vallow's brain, uh, and Chad Daybell's brain, would we find that some that the part of impulse control maybe was a little bit smaller, maybe a little less developed? Maybe. But at the end of the day, it's not an excuse. It's not a reason. And these people probably aren't safe to be walking amongst the rest of us. At the end of the day, Chad and Lori hopefully will stay in prison forever where they belong, as they should, because they took all of these people's lives and they literally didn't have to. They could have, like you said, been together, gone off and escaped to Hawaii you know, Lori would have had to gotten a real job <laughs> and Chad would have had to, you know, maybe written a book that that actually sold and made money. But neither of these people had any talents or intelligence to make a living for themselves between the two of them. They always relied on other people. They always sucked off of other people. And that is something that Lori and Chad shared, their leeches. Lori always leached off of every person she married financially. Chad leached off of these other authors that he brought under his his book label, Julie Rowe, and all of these other people who actually did make books that the people wanted to read. And when he wrote a book, he had to actually, like, start lying about his past lives and his visions and his near-death experiences and all of these things, which he never brought up earlier. But all of a sudden, after talking to Julie Rowe and, and hearing about her brushes with death, he suddenly has all these near-death experiences that he can talk about. He's a grifter. Lori's a grifter. They're grifters. They could never make a living amongst themselves, by themselves. They don't create. They destroy. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, those are my final thoughts. These two people are terrible. They belong behind bars. But if you want me to tell you who was leading the charge, it was Lori Vallow all day long. Mm. The irony in this case is these individuals were allegedly uh, looking to identify dark, dark spirits when all they had to do was look in the mirror. Damn. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah. And on that note, I think we're all set. We out. Yeah, we out. Series is wrapped up. Great job mm -hmm. with the research. Great job with the storytelling. We'll be back with a new case next week. So everyone stay safe out there. We'll see you soon. Bye.